Hello and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law and with me, my co-host, Paul Doroshenko. Nice to talk to you, Kyla. Nice to talk to you. Still on I miss I miss you guys. I miss you guys in the office. Yeah. Here I am. Long way away. You know, I always think of the office and I always think of you guys. I I enjoy working with all of my colleagues and particularly you. I like to see you every day. Come come back and uh, get back to work. <laughs> of course, of course even when I'm there, I only see you every three or four days, but whatever, you know. You, you wouldn't um, have me this week anyway. I have been like a ghost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a there's a sheriff shortage right now in British Columbia, and it's dire. Like I, oh. I've had sheriff shortages before, and we've talked about sort of the issues about not having enough sheriffs and how it impacts our courts, but we are uh, staffed at about 50% of uh, the necessary capacity for sheriffs in BC. There's lots of implications for that, but the really, I mean, the issue to me comes down to um, supply and demand and what those sheriffs are paid. And you're not going to be able to encourage people to become sheriffs if you're paying them so poorly. Well, and also, you know, now with the Surrey police decision finally being made, a lot of the people that um, that are sheriffs are people who want to be police officers and who are kind of getting in the door of law enforcement um, in an entry level way. And they have apparently there are about 10 percent of sheriffs in British Columbia have pending applications with municipal police forces. Say that again. Ten percent of our existing number of sheriffs sheriffs are applying to municipal police forces, and meanwhile, Surrey needs to hire. Yeah, have submitted applications. Applications pending could be hired any day, and yeah, Surrey needs to quickly pick up two hundred cops. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my gosh! So I had this week, um, day a day in court for a matter that should have taken about an hour because there was a shortage of sheriffs and they had to deal with the in-custody things before my matter. And that's just just one matter. And think about that. If one one one-hour thing is being delayed a whole day, it's a domino effect. Well, you're paying all of these other people to be there too, you know, and you're paying people overtime, other people overtime, just because you're short of sheriffs. Yep. So it's a real issue and uh, we should keep our eye on it. But we need to talk about driving law on the driving law podcast. Mm, Well, I consider it driving law because we're in court all the time for all sorts of things (laughs) and resolving driving cases. You can't resolve them if you can't get a can't get a courtroom with a judge and a sheriff and a clerk and a prosecutor. True. So you have seen recently i've been in i think in the last like 60 days two separate news stories related to parking tickets yes i used to be the go-to guy for parking tickets and i'm so glad i'm not now unfortunately now it's you (laughs) yeah yeah unfortunately well Uh, people are passionate about it right you know people mm -hmm. are upset and understandably so you get a parking ticket lots of times it feels very unfair and you want to be able to deal with it and you're thinking to yourself okay am i going to call a lawyer yeah yeah i i get it but the parking ticket 
advice that people want to know is do they have to pay their parking ticket? We've even had people that we know personally ask us, should I pay this or how could I get out of paying this? And it's always kind of like a should little I fight it. A little bit of tongue in cheek for me when I know that somebody is is well to do enough that they can pay their $35 parking ticket and yet they're taking $35 of my time <laughs> to ask me. Like, come on. Yes. I Just know. Just pay your ticket. I, <laughs> I know. But oh um, that's a pretty that's a pretty common experience for both you and I. Uh somebody, you know, you you're friends with them, right? Everybody expects free legal advice when you're their friend uh and then uh, and you know there's lots of things that you and i answer on twitter or you answer on tiktok um perhaps next time that that comes out you should just do a tiktok about it and then send it to them um the uh but it's it's a little bit frustrating especially in those circumstances because most of the time every time that somebody's contacted me with that i can't think of any exceptions right now you know the person should just be paying the ticket well you (laughs) have trick that you used to use back in the days when people could pay things by check and you didn't have to go online um to pay and that was the the check right well it wasn't so much a trick so i would only do it in circumstances where i paid to park right and i went in and for some reason i ended up delayed like i'm in court for example and there's a sheriff shortage and i end up 10 minutes beyond the two hours I paid for. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, I should be paying for the service of the parking and I pay for an extra hour. So I used to write them a check and say, you know, I paid for the first two hours. I was delayed for this reason. Um, Here's a check for the next hour. Consider this full and final settlement. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just write it on the check on the reline, right? Send a photograph of me paying the first time. So I wasn't out there stealing their service or something like that. Uh, my, you know, I was, I was for reasons that were unanticipated, I'd gone over time and, you know, I did this a few times and this was something that I learned from my, uh, mother's husband who passed away about a year ago. Um, he used to uh, do something similar when he got one of these tickets and they'd cash the check and that was it. That was my method. Well, uh, there's a guy who actually took a parking ticket. To the Civil Resolution Tribunal, a.k.a. Small Petty Claims Court, yes. saying, saying that he should get a refund of the parking fine because he did, in fact, pay for parking. Okay. So this, this so... case, you can find it on Canley. It is called uh, Thornley and Parking Corporation of Vancouver. And so the city of Vancouver, of course, uh, operates all of the easy park lots. Uh huh. Um, Mr. Thornley went and parked uh, in a an easy park lot. Um, he parked the vehicle, um, paid for parking, he says, but was improperly issued a ticket, uh, which he then paid, and then sued to get the money back. Now, Easy Park says. Well, yeah, he he paid for parking, but he didn't pay for his parking until after we gave him the ticket. And their records showed that there were two different parking enforcement officers who inspected his vehicle at three different times, 11.42 a.m., 11.46 a.m., and 11.55 a.m. And after the third check, 
still no payment, they issued him the ticket. So obviously the first two, they want to make sure they're giving him time to make the payment. The last one, he's had, you know, seven, eight, 13 minutes. <laughs> Math is hard. 13 minutes. Yeah. He's not paid. He's going to get the ticket. Mr. Thornley paid for his parking at 2.05 p.m. Uh-huh. Long time afterward. Yeah. And essentially, he was trying to, to run a scam, it sounds like, or at least this was the sense that the tribunal got, by not paying for parking, waiting to see if he got a ticket, and then if he got the ticket, paying for parking for the amount of time that he'd parked for so that he could use that as a defense to the ticket. An ingenious plan. Yes. Thwarting the the traffic ticket or parking ticket um, scheme entirely. Yeah, that's basically what the tribunal says. She says, I do not accept Mr. Thornley's argument that paying later should invalidate the ticket. If such a situation were allowed, no one would pay for parking unless or until they were issued a ticket and then would have that ticket overturned by subsequently paying the parking rate instead of the fine amount. I find this would be inconsistent with the purpose of pay parking. Given all the above, I dismiss Mr. Thornley's claim for a refund of the parking fine. But he also would have lost his case anyway, even if she'd agreed with him. Because Easy Park makes fine payments non-refundable. Oh, they make it clear on their website, probably, or wherever, when you're paying it. The website for fine payment so. indicates that all violation payments are non-refundable. So. Yeah, that's probably so people don't pay with a credit card and then try and put in a a, um, a payback or whatever they're called, a, a complaint to the credit card company saying that it was incorrectly taken from their account. Yeah, that could be, uh, or it could be that. But it, but it worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked, and uh, yeah. So he, uh, Mr. Thornley loses. I give him a hundred points for creativity and zero points for execution. Yeah. Okay. I can't give him the hundred points for creativity because the you know if you're going to be creative, at least you've got to come up with something that's potentially feasible, and. And I think that if you're going to do that, you also should not be disingenuous. In other words, you know, he's trying to get around it. It's not an issue of, of an innocent mistake or something like that. Yeah. So I'm only giving him 50 points for okay. creativity. And what was your other, what was your other test that you said? Creativity. And what was the other one? Execution. Execution. Well, I mean, I like the idea of paying the fine and then suing after the fact, because you think about it, if you just wanted to sue them, you can't sue them, right? They're claiming that you owe money and how else are you going to get it into court? They're not going to sue you for the money. They're just going to pester you for forever, maybe tow your car and you'll never get any resolution. So I'm giving him a hundred points for paying it and then coming back and suing. How's that? That's, yeah, sure. You can award your points however you want to award them, Paul. What did you give him? So I'm at 150 points. He I did pretty well. I gave 100 and zero because you know me, I operate in extremes. Okay. All right. That's true. You do. Okay. Thanks well, for that. That was an interesting one. Now we also have a summary conviction appeal decision of a traffic court 
case that came out this week. Well, it didn't come out this week. It came out in April, but it was finally published on the court website this week. Um, yeah. Interesting case. Two two charges. Um, and not the outcome I would have expected on both of them. So one charge for disobeying a police officer's traffic direction and another charge for use of an electronic device. And so this is the case of Buchanan. Um, Mr. Buchanan was... Um, in his truck in February of 2022, there was a protest convoy about COVID-19 going over the Burrard Street Bridge. Uh, Mr. Buchanan was traveling away from downtown and a police officer was um, in the convoy, not participating in the convoy, but doing like, you know, the police maintaining law and order role um, yeah. for him in a marked vehicle. And he sees Mr. Buchanan moving essentially along the convoy, um, coming towards him in the opposite direction and uh, holding a cell phone at the edge of the driver's side window, filming the passing convoy. Yeah. And so the officer comes up to him and says, you can't use a cell phone while you're driving. Put it down. Mr. Buchanan apparently does so. And the officer was like, and I thought that that would be it. But then he sees Mr. Buchanan doing the same thing again, allegedly with the phone. So the officer makes a U-turn on the bridge, pulls Mr. Buchanan over, and um, he doesn't stop. He doesn't. He refuses to pull over. They continue to move across the bridge. Um, then uh, the officer pulls in front of Ms. Mr. Buchanan, blocking him, gets out of his police car, stands in the lane, and directs him to stop on the right-hand lane, still on the bridge. So essentially, yeah. halting traffic on that side of the bridge. Then Fair tells, enough. Yeah. And tells him, now that I've got your identification, gets his identification information, says, now that I've got your identification, pull forward off the bridge so I can go give you a ticket. And Mr. Buchanan basically like, fuck you, I'm not moving my car. Uh, do your worst, officer. And so the officer rather than confront him, just tickets him for use of an electronic device while driving and failing to obey police direction. Now, what, what do you think happened on the distracted driving charge? I, I don't want to call it. I, I mean, I think he should be convicted of both offenses based on the facts as you've told them to me. Yeah. He's using an electronic device. He's not using it to communicate, but he's using a device that is designed to communicate and he's using it at this point for filming. It's hand, you know, the, the prohibition is held <laughs> and he's holding it. Um, if you're holding it and not using it for any electronic device purpose, you're still holding it. There's people sometimes who are just driving down the road holding their phone, not talking on their phone or texting or anything. They're just holding it. That meets the requirements for the offense. Mm -hmm. I'm but assuming he was convicted. He was convicted of both charges, which is how he ended up appealing. But he got a new trial on the distracted driving charge. Oh, my and goodness. Why? There was some conflict in the evidence, and it's not really clear from the appeal judgment, but essentially he denied ever having his cell phone in his hand when the vehicle was in motion. He says that it was lying on his passenger seat and connected to Bluetooth, which 
like the judge seems to reject because they have an excerpt from the the or the just judicial justice seems to reject because they have a uh, an excerpt he's actually referred to as trial judge in the judgment but anyway judicial yeah. justice um uh his reasons were ex- excerpted in the um appeal court and he says uh there, uh, with respect to count one, there is two different versions. The officer's version is that the defendant is holding his cell phone out the window, interacting with the people they're going by. I rather suspect that is true, but I do not have to make that decision. Having a cell phone loose on the passenger seat while your phone is functional and turned on is in itself the offense of holding or using a cell phone while driving. Eek. How? How? This was the Supreme Court judge ruled that? No. no that, well, that was the judicial justice said that. Justice. Yeah, okay. How? Yeah, right. How? So, okay. So, well, there's your problem with the conviction. You know, if if they said that it's one or the other, and I don't have to resolve it, and one of them is not an offense. But, but it's it, he basically said he believes that it's true. I mean, he said I rather suspect that is true, and I can tell you, I I'm pretty sure I know who this judicial justice was by the language used. Um, <laughs> It seems like he accepted the officer's version of events. So I don't understand how the court couldn't say, but there's no miscarriage of justice because he accepted that the he was holding his phone, which makes perfect sense looking at the evidence because why else would the officer pull over Mr. Buchanan? But as soon as the judicial justice starts misquoting the law and saying it's an option of A or B, and both are an offense when B is not an offense. Even if he says, I suspect, I don't think suspect is certainly not enough for beyond a reasonable doubt. I think that's got to go back for a new hearing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the crown conceded it on that, on that charge. So fair enough. Um, very reasonable crown on this file. Um, the, um, so he's getting a new, a new trial, but he's convicted of the disobeying direction. And actually in his trial, he, filed the video of the officer telling him to move his car and and telling the officer that he was not going to do it so well you think that would have undermined his credibility there one would generally yeah and that the judicial justice if he just kept his mouth shut and stuck with the actual offense rather than the the speculation of it being on the seat this guy would be convicted so it's going to go back and be convicted yeah yeah he was the sounds of it yeah probably i i did like at the end of this judgment there's a little bit of like a you know which side of the convoy he was on regardless of which side of the bridge he was on element to this judgment because at the end there's discussions and uh the appellant mr buchanan says and we forgot to talk about costs Remember when we were talking about that on Friday? Seeing as I am successful in this, I guess I am entitled to costs. And the court says, well, you were successful in your, you were unsuccessful in your appeal regarding the disobedience. And on uh, the other appeal, the outcome was exactly what Crown was saying should have happened. They would have consented to that outcome. And then he says, she had plenty of opportunity to consent to it. I have emails of her threatening to, the way I see it, Mr. Buchanan, is that the crown was successful in that both of you agreed that there was an error in the decision. The crown was saying there should be a new trial and you were saying there should be an acquittal and I have agreed with the crown. So I do not see a lot of success in your position here. I am sorry. 
says, so when I win in the new trial, then I'll have costs, correct? And the judge says basically what you just said, maybe, if and maybe. And Mr. Buchanan responds and goes, no, it's a for sure, judge. Okay, absolutely. (laughs) The judge said that? The judge said, okay. And Mr. Buchanan said, absolutely. Uh, Oh, my goodness. I have news for Mr. Buchanan that he's not going to like. And that's that you don't get when you win in traffic court. Yep. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Well, fascinating what has been revealed by the pandemic. (laughs) People's understanding of how our courts and justice system works. And the other thing that's surprising is how many people are, if not soft sits there, they are soft sit sympathetic or leaning or or influenced. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, my. Definitely that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, well, we'll never know what happens unless we can track it down on the uh, old court services online website to see when he gets a new trial. Maybe he'll succeed for delay. And uh, Paul, we don't have time today to talk about the Quebec trucker that got reinstated after drinking and driving on the job and being We fired. need to talk about that. That'll have to be next week. We will talk about that next week. It is a big issue. Um, Lots to unpack there. But before we go, we do have a Ridiculous Driver of the Week. Awesome. And this one, it's just got everything. First of all, it comes to us from none other than Florida. Good. Good start. On the beach. And, you know, we like to think we have some Vancouver exceptionalism that uh, there are a lot of of Vancouver bad drivers who drive places that they shouldn't drive. But we're not that special in Vancouver because in Florida, they have people who own Maseratis and who think, I'm going to take my $100,000 car, U.S., hundred thousand dollar car and drive it onto the florida beach sand quick spin on the beach in the maserati i mean what could be more fun than that yep yep anyway so a 37 year old man from florida has been charged uh and arrested with driving under the influence which kind of explains the decision making flight Mm performance and eluding which is basically the same thing um for uh driving onto a florida beach to try and escape police in a traffic stop well you can't escape if you drive onto the beach in a maserati it's not a four-wheel drive or something like that you're gonna end up stuck well i think so how how is this an escape i mean i think it was a ghibli and they do come in four-wheel drive oh do they okay Yeah. yeah but was he stuck on the beach yeah yeah he got his tires dug in yeah okay all right so (laughs) There's a photo of the Maserati the, uh, in the sand um, with like uh, like sand halfway up the back tire. So if it was an attempted escape, it was a bad was planned escape is what you're saying? Or because yeah. I mean, like if, if they located him there back on the beach already, he's not escaping. Yeah, no, he, right? was, 
he was trying they were trying to stop him for going 90 in a 35 zone okay the beach well he wasn't going 90 90 miles an hour on the beach he was going 90 miles an hour somewhere else and then decided to try and escape and drive onto the beach slowed down pretty quick once he hit the beach yeah i'll bet All right, well, I've seen enough TikTok videos and YouTube videos of people getting stuck in sand. And I know in uh, up on Haida Gwaii, they, you know, anybody who rents a car has to sign a waiver that says, I am not going to take this thing anywhere near a sandy beach. That uh, what happens, you know, of course, your wheels sink down and you're floating on the sand. Yep. I, uh, okay. I agree. Well, that's our podcast. If you need to reach us for a driving law related issue, you can find us online at vancouvercriminallaw.com or give us a call at 604-685-8889 and tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law.